Hi, in this episode, we'll talk about learning disabilities and ways to help students who have this disability. In the 1960s, Samuel Kurt introduced the term learning disability to compromise all the other confusing labels that were out there describing children who had the discrepancy between their intelligence and their academic ability. The confusing labels consisted of minimal brain injury, a slow learner, having dyslexia. These terms had a wide range of effects and they weren't all specific to what having a learning disability is. There are three popular definitions for a learning disability. There is the federal definition. There is the definition of the National Joint Committee on Learning Disabilities or NJCLD and the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of the American Psychiatric Association, or APA. The federal definition states that it is, it is a disorder in one or more of the basic psychological processes involved in understanding or in using language, spoken or written, which disorder may manifest itself in an imperfect ability to listen, think, speak, read, write, spell, or do mathematical calculation. It includes perceptual disabilities, brain injury, minimal brain dysfunction, dyslexia, and developmental aphasia. It does not include, keep in mind that this was first signed into law in in 1975, and with a few changes adopted again in 1997, but it does not include learning problems that is primarily the result of visual, hearing, motor disabilities, mental retardation, emotional disturbance, or environmental, cultural, or economic disadvantages. The inclusions and what is not included cause some disagreements, and that is why there's other definitions for what a learning disability is. To identify learning disability, there's the traditional approach to see an achievement to ability discrepancy, This is a comparison to scores on a standardized intelligence and what they would see on an achievement test. Although IQ scores of students with learning disabilities tend to underestimate due to them being dependent on reading ability to some extent, so then they have the RTI perspective. This method is the federally preferred way, and it is said that because the law mentions that states must not require the severe discrepancy between the ability and the achievement, but requires that states must permit the use of RTI. So just through more intensive practices for teaching through the three tiers, students can be noticed as having a learning disability. According to the U.S. government, just under 5% of children between the ages of 6 and 17 have been identified at public schools as having a learning disability. About half of students needing special education have a learning disability. And within that, it is shown that boys are more commonly than girls to have a learning disability with a ratio of 3 to 1. A thought for many years was that neurological factors were the cause of a learning disability because there were behavioral characteristics that people with brain injury also showed. But with learning disabilities, there's little evidence of actual brain damage. They found this by using neuroimaging techniques like MRIs, fMRIs, fMRSs, PET scans, and ERPs. There are some genetic factors relating to learning disabilities. 
this disability can be inherited, and in fact, about 35 to 45 percent of parents or siblings of individuals with a reading disability also have a reading disability. There's also research around identical and fraternal twins, and it shows that if an identical twin and a fraternal twin each have a learning disability, that the second identical twin is more likely to have a learning disability than the second fraternal twin. Toxins can also be a cause. Lead, for example, can be present in the air, water, food, and objects or surfaces with lead-based paint, which can be very dangerous. And because of this danger, lead-based paint has been banned since the late 1970s. Although some old houses still have lead-based paint and people still need to be careful. And finally, there's also medical factors such as premature birth that can increase the likelihood of a learning disability. And when identifying if an individual has a learning disability, they will also have certain psychological and behavioral characteristics. There is the inter-individual variation that explains the variation in whether a student has problems in reading, spelling, math, or being inattentive. Pretty much a no one size fits all approach when educating students. There's also the intra individual variation, which explains that within each person's profile, there's variability within their abilities. Reading is the most common difficulty with learning disabilities. There may be issues with phonological awareness and understanding the speech flow, decoding a printed word into spoken, reading fluency, vocabulary, and reading comprehension. The written language refers to handwriting, spelling, and composition using the right sentence structure and the complexity of them. Individuals who struggle with spoken language may have trouble with grammar or the meaning of words. There may be long silences and trouble keeping the conversation going because they have trouble responding to other statements or questions or answering their own questions before the other person has time to respond. They may express task-irrelevant comments too. There may be struggles with math and the proper application and processing of information. Individuals may exhibit visual and or auditory perceptual disabilities. Students with attention problems display characteristics such as distractibility, impulsivity, and hyperactivity. They may have memory problems, whether that's working memory or the retrieval process. There may be self-regulation difficulties. And metacognitive and thinking about one's thinking may also be an issue. Although not the majority of students, there is a greater risk of social-emotional problems. A source of these problems can come from the learned helplessness, which is the tendency to give up and expect the worst because of the thought that no matter how hard they try, they will fail. This can cause issues in producing the appropriate learning strategies and solving problems. There are techniques to help individuals, which may be like self-instruction, self-monitoring, scaffolding instruction, reciprocal teaching, and metacognitive training. Self-instruction makes students aware of the various stages of problem-solving tasks while they are performing them and brings behavior under verbal control. So like saying the problem aloud, then looking for important words and circling them, 
Then they may draw pictures to help explain what is happening. They may write the math sentence and then write the answer. Self-monitoring is where students are able to keep track of their own behavior, often through self-evaluation and self-recording. Scaffolding is the process where teachers provide assistance and slowly reduce the assistance so that students can do the test successfully on their own. Reciprocal teaching is more of an interactive dialogue between the student and the teacher. And finally, the metacognitive training helps the student think about planning ahead, what good learning strategies are, and adjusting strategies based on their performance. There is also instructional approaches specific to reading, writing, math, science, and social studies. For reading, it focuses on the pairing of letters and words with their sounds or phonics instruction. A helpful intervention to help with this is just reading aloud. And the pairing of pictures or words can help with vocabulary. Strategies regarding planning, revising, and editing compositions can help with writing as well as with math and being explicit in instruction and just guiding the students along. Science and social studies is a little different due to the heavy emphasis on textbook-based science and social study instruction for the standard-based learning. So just making sure that there's a careful monitoring of the student's progress as well as incorporating the teaching strategies. One of them is the content enhancement. This can take many forms, but it is a way of making material more prominent. So for example, like hands-on activities can help with understanding. Like think about the sink or float experiment, and this experiment helps engage the learners and allows them to learn about what they, learn more about more than they think that they're learning about. So say a kid uh, says a peeled orange may sink but after the experiment they learn a lot more about like the air pockets and how the effects of density on the orange compared to the water is there's also graphic organizers and diagrams and charts and other examples of content enhancement other teaching strategies could be direct instruction task analysis or peer tutoring once kids have learned new information there are ways to assess their progress Assessing progress could be something like curriculum-based measurements. These can take different forms and are taken at regular intervals to see if the student is making progress. There's also informal assessments, such as reading passages or a list of words. For math, there's a Mathematics Dynamic Assessment, or MDA. An MDA measures if a student understands at concrete, semi-concrete, and abstract levels assessing interests and experiences, examining air patterns, and flexible interviews. When it comes to identifying learning disabilities, it can sometimes be difficult to do it at such a young age. Although early intervention is a great opportunity, because it is so early in development, it is more about a prediction than identification because these kids have a lack of exposure due to their age. Also, some students show developmental delays but soon catch up, so just being aware of these when starting an early intervention is important. And when it comes to tr uh, transition to adulthood, the goal is for the individuals to not let their disability rule them. Rather, they can take the initiative and control their life. So whether the focus is on transition to work or college, 
Successful transition programming would empower students to take responsibility. Due to this being a different environment than K through 12th grade, these individuals need to be able to self-advocate and be able to understand their ability, be aware of their legal rights, and communicate their rights and needs to professors and administrators to help them succeed. With unique needs, it is important to understand them and find learning techniques to help suit what is best in each scenario. Creating an encouraging and motivating environment will help people thrive not only academically or socially, but also just as a person. Thank you for listening.